This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. You're listening to Over the Influence. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie. I'll be talking to movers and shakers in the world of wellness and beyond, and people who have had their own interesting journey, whether it be physical, mental, spiritual, or professional. Thanks for joining. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. I hope everyone is having a great week. I'm not really going to do any kind of intro for this week's episode because it's really just a continuation of my conversation with Alexis Haynes. So if you didn't listen last week, you can go back and listen to that. And in this episode, we just delve a little deeper into her recovery. We talk about detoxing in jail in great detail. She gets really candid. (laughs) We talk about relationships with older men. We talk about, God, we just covered a lot of ground. So Without further ado, Alexis Haynes. Is there a moment like when you think about your sobriety where you can remember that the obsession was gone? Mm. Yeah. Um, Because I know people in early sobriety ask me like, when am I going to stop? thinking about it and like people dm me all the time and they just can't wrap their head around a life without drugs or alcohol you know i think it's uh, important to give hope where we can yeah um i feel really fortunate that um you know and i I don't know how else to say this to people because I feel like when I talk about spirituality, everybody shuts down, Mm -hmm. you know, like that they have to go to church or whatever. But when I, um, really, so I did the steps, which were great. Um, and you know, and I no longer, I don't even go to AA meetings anymore. I don't even go to AA. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't in years and, um, and I feel better. <laughs> Don't take advice there's from no, me. Well, I'm just no, kidding. There's <laughs> no right. There's no right or wrong way. I think that um, for me, the obsession was lifted. I'd spent my entire life trying to check out. And when I developed a really strong spiritual practice and I really fell in love with checking in, mm-hmm. that um, that desire to check out was lifted. Yeah. And so I've had surgeries. I've had life-threatening events. I've had so many times where I've I've had to take prescribed medication I had a c-section I've had elective surgeries (laughs) I had uh, three blood clots in my lung and almost died I've had um, many um, you know very 
I've had many experiences where I've ended up having to take prescribed medications. Um, and not once have I ever gone like, how do I get more of that? Yeah. In fact, my thought is always like, how the hell do I get off this shit as fast as possible? Because I hate feeling out of it and out of control. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I just, I think that a spiritual practice is kind of, it, it is the solution for me. I mean, it's, that's what has ended my constant state of dis-ease, you know, being, you know, in discomfort in the world is, is feeling grounded and, and the things that I do, you know, like I said, like Reiki, I've got my crystals, <laughs> meditation, spiritual teachings. You know, you don't, it, it, that's the thing that I always want to reiterate to people is like everything that I have, you already have inside of you right now. Mm-hmm. You just have to learn how to tap in and access that. Yeah. And I think we kind of all want like the easy way, yeah. right? And the shortcut. And if we could take a pill and make it go away, mm-hmm. then. Let's do that. But the thing with, excuse me, the thing with a spiritual practice is like it enhances your life in so many ways that you can't even like begin to think about, especially like when you're just getting sober. But even if like you're not getting sober and you just are feeling depressed or like, you know, dealing Mm -hmm. with something hard, there are so many things that you can do to enhance to enhance your life that way. Yeah. And you know, um, my, my, I remember my sponsor saying to me in, in early recovery, like whoever told you getting on the spiritual path was, was the easy path is a liar. Like it's absolutely not, not easy to surrender to the discomfort mm-hmm. um, and to be okay with being, with not being okay in the beginning. It's really hard. Um, but the, growth at the end of it is so profound and so beautiful and so worth it that um and and that's the sweet that's the sweetness you know that's the sweetness of life I also think that we're in a world now where we're programmed to think that we always have to be okay and happy and that's just like total and utter bullshit like that's just not the way life life was meant to be like life um the way that we're currently living in this fast-paced, technology-driven life is not sustainable. Um, but, you know, and and saying that we're... And, and it's telling us all the time that we're supposed to be happy. And, and the truth is, is that we're supposed to enjoy the moments, the happy moments, um, and every moment just the way that it is. You know, and and we spend so much time going, this should be better and this should be better and I should be feeling this way. And it's like, but no, like this moment is just right now. This is all that we have. And so I hold on to the sweet moments with my children. I hold on to the sweet moments with my husband. I hold on to the sweet moments I have in connection with my spiritual practice. Um, And then I just realized that I'm going back out into the real world And I'm going to grind and I'm going to hustle for probably, I don't even know how many more years, my husband too. And then we're going to retire and then we're going to get to enjoy maybe more sweet moments than, um, than we are right now when we're in this hustling phase. Um, I think especially for like our generation, 
we grew up as kids just with very little understanding of like how hard it was to actually be an adult and to work because we never had to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a shock when you actually do get into the real world and that's, and it's fucking depressing. And for a lot of people it's crippling, which is why I think so many young people are still living at home with their parents. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so bad these days. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're not even young anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, 30 year olds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 30 year olds, you know what I mean? Like, and you can, you can blame it on whatever you want. Um, but the reality is, and, and yes, while there needs to be a living wage and while there needs to be access for more people to go to college and better education and all of these things, I don't think, I think that's a contributing factor, but I also think that, um, you know, when, when these young 19 year olds come into our, our rehab, um, which is not cheap, (laughs) um, you know, they don't even know how to put together a resume. You know what I mean? Like we're failing generation after generation of kids. Mm -hmm. So we got to do something about it. Yeah. And like, why get a job when you could just take photos and be an influencer influencer. (laughs) which let me okay ariel don't i mean how much time do you think you spend a week on social media like Like just be like actually on social media or planning your posts and doing like playing the game i mean so like last weekend the holiday weekend i went into creative mode and i was working nine hours a day Mm -hmm. for three days straight Mm -hmm. and then during the week it's from 7 30 in the morning Mm mm-hmm and then I take a break in the afternoon and then like I'll be working, like doing something mm-hmm. towards my work, whether it's emails or planning content mm-hmm. or thinking about content or whatever, usually until like 9, yeah. 30 or 10. Okay. It's all So I think that these little girls that like just post selfies and have a million followers, it's you know, so like, annoying. okay, it is annoying because... <laughs> I what I'm trying to do is to use social media to like better the world right like my Instagram is like a blog and it is a full-time job mm-hmm. like it is um like and you I was feel it personally right yes it's which makes Absolutely. it even harder and it I takes like... time away from my kids yeah. and from my life so I'm sitting there on planoli like scheduling all of my photos writing content for an hours <laughs> What girl? You have Anam. It's the same thing. Okay. 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 Kennedy's here, by the way. Everybody. (laughs) I've been quiet this entire time. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, up there, like, you know, my stories I do in live time, in real time, most of the time, unless I'm somewhere where I don't want people knowing where I am and I post it later. But Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, it's like real time, right? So, but I'm on there writing content. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, But, you know, my husband always says, like, no money's easy money. And if you think that money's easy money, like, there's always a price. Mm. There's always a price. Whether it's your dignity or whatever, there's always a price. So that's true. You know, it's wise work. words from <laughs> from Mr. Evan Haynes. <laughs> you guys met in recovery. Right? We did. We met in AA. Yes, we did. And um, AA. Yeah. <laughs> we met in AA. I was just maybe eight months sober nine months nine months sober well we went from the beginning but we started dating when i had about nine months and then um eight months after that we were married (laughs) yes and we've been married for seven years we have two kids and we're just like madly in love and um you know so the 13th step worked for us (laughs) (laughs) um you know i can't i i don't 
um, to each his own for us. It really worked. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and we're happy. Yeah. Right. So Did not for me, but that's okay. Aww. I love your little there's comments. All, there's always next time. <laughs> worked for like three years yeah, and well, then we broke up. So there's that. Just, you know, find a guy who has six months sober. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was bad advice. No, um, you know what it was? Evan, Evan had five. Evan had five years. Um, and I, and in early recovery, like I said, like I just, um, a couple of months in, I just really dove and did the work and I kind of escaped for like four months and just really just threw myself into personal growth. And I was going to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor. And, you know, I came back, he says, I come, I came back a new woman. Oh, so (laughs) you went from a girl to a woman. I did. I went from a girl to a woman. (laughs) I love it. And he's quite a bit older than you. He is. Yeah. We've got a little over 15 years apart. And um, not the best. Uh, it is. It really is. <laughs> We've you know, about I'm this just, before. to be honest, and I think there are a group of women who maybe don't even want to acknowledge us. Like, I'm just, I'm attracted to older men. Mm-hmm. Like, I always have been. I remember even before I was sober dating and being very attracted to older men. Like I would have sex with young 20 year old guys because that's fun. But like, as far as like where I saw myself ending up, I have always been attracted to, to older men and, and not even older successful men because Evan (laughs) was not successful (laughs) when we first started dating. I was the sugar mama, okay? I provided us with, I was working full time. He was just starting up the business, um, you know, and I saw his potential. And again, you know, probably not the safest bet, but I took a risk and I'm really grateful that I did because, you know, um, he's obviously an amazing provider, but he is just so grounded and, um I went on um, the Skinny Confidential a few weeks ago, and we were talking about Evan at the end with Lauren, and Lauren was like, he's a stoic. And I'm like, Hmm. he is. He is a stoic. Hmm. He is. And I'm really lucky. Yeah. I wonder if the older man thing has to do with not having a father. I don't think so. Because when I think about my dad, I think that he's fucking disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I love my dad, but like, I've never like, but like the security of like having, no, because my dad did not equal security Mm -hmm. by any means. Um, I just think that, I mean, when I had girl, when I had crushes, like in, you know, I was like always attracted to like the Johnny Depp's and the George Clooney's Mm -hmm. and the, you know, like I was never like a Leonardo DiCaprio type of girl. Like I during Titanic, not even during Titanic. No, like Like, he's just too pretty with (laughs) the like flippy hair and (laughs) you know what I mean. He's got like the longer, just not for me. Like I always loved. Like a you know salt and pepper beard, and I remember <laughs> yes. at seventeen just finding that super attractive. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm tw- I'm, I'm turning twenty eight in a couple of weeks. Oh my god! Oh, stop. I feel like an old lady. <laughs> um, which is crazy, crazy just to think about. And then my husband's um, forty four, so that's a good age. It is. Yeah, I I, t- I keep telling him like you're in your prime, babe. Like. <laughs> 
I'm really liking this. You know, he's really into like fitness and stuff right now. And I'm just he's got the six pack going. And I'm like, nice. yes, with like the scruffy gray beard. And I'm like, there is nothing. You know, who everybody says he looks like yeah. is the guy from the the Walking Dead. The, the scruffy guy. Can you only, Google him, please, for yeah. me? What is his name? It's like Negan, 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 Tegan. I don't know. If you just type in Walking Dead cast, the guy with like the brown hair and the scruffy beard, that's everybody's always like Andrew Lincoln. Oh my God, your husband looks just like him. No, not the main guy. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Like, there's like five people with scruffy beards on oh, that cast. God. Right. Um, Jeffrey Never. Dean Morgan. Yes, Jeffrey Dean oh, Morgan. Okay, yeah. Everybody always says that yeah, my husband that. is literally his twin. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, now I'll I have take to compare. it. He's hot. Wasn't he in P.S. I Love You? Um, he was. was he? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did, was. Now that you're saying that. I haven't seen that movie. Oh. It's, all right. it's I'm literally jerker. Googling okay. Lexus Haynes' husband. We're going to take it with away. <laughs> you can just go on my Instagram, but yeah. <laughs> oh, they do. Whoa. Like crazy kind of, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wait, like... Evan, did you know that you can just Google Alexis Haynes' husband <laughs> and you come up on Google? <laughs> That'll make him feel really great about himself. <laughs> He's made it. <laughs> He's made it. So let's talk recovering from reality for a minute mm. before we get to listener questions. Mm. You okay. know, I love, love your podcast. Thank I, you. oh my God, it's my favorite. Um, you know, that makes me really happy to hear because I hate everything I do. <laughs> I yeah, really do. Our own worst critics. We are. Um, and we're just kind of starting to to figure it out. And now we've got like a flow, like a flow of the podcast finally. Like, mm -hmm. Um, this last episode, I'm like, wait, stick this in the front, this commentary here, and then the episode, and then at the end, now we're ending with a day, a weekly affirmation for our listeners, because, you know, I'm all about manifesting that shit, mm -hmm. whatever you want in your life, you know, so we, we're doing this weekly affirmation. Um, today, this week says, I am at peace with who I am as a person. Love it. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, so now I've kind of got this, like, format, right, and, um... You know, I just, I really felt it going into my seventh year that I was ready to start contributing in a major way to people. You just, I can't personally look at the fact that um, 70,000 people a year are dying from addiction. And uh, I just can't look at those numbers and like sit in my house and not, not that we're not doing anything because we do have aloe, which is our aloe. There's my shameless plug. Owl House Recovery <laughs> Centers. If you need to go to rehab, hit me up. Um, no, so we're doing amazing work at Owl, and I'm super passionate about um, the work we're doing there. But I mean on a bigger level, like on a grander scale. So Recovering from Reality is a platform where we talk about recovering from life, like recovering from real life, mm -hmm. a.k.a. reality. Um, and so we're talking about recovering from, of course, addiction. And a lot of the podcast so far has been about addiction. But now we're talking about like generational trauma and motherhood and postpartum depression and divorce and sexual abuse and, um, you know, all of these things that... I think as a society we're we're dealing with that we need to recover from um, because, you know, it's become super apparent that like our society, um, there's aspects of it that are really sick and dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in order to recover from that, we need to talk about it. And so I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm loving, I'm loving sitting down with various people and meeting new people and, and listening to their stories. 
And you're such a good vessel to, to like spread that message. And, you know, you have kind of such a harrowing experience of your own and you came out on the other side and you have this beautiful life. And I think because of that, people want to listen to you and people trust you Mm -hmm. and you just, you make it, um, you make it like palatable. I don't know if that's the right word, but thank you. Like these difficult subjects. Yeah. And I, I want people, the, the reason why too, like even sponsorship things that I, that I get offered a lot of the times, like I just, I won't take them because um, it's something, a lot of the things that I believe in that are good for your wellness are free. like meditation (laughs) um and so like I often promote like different ways that I treat my mental health and stuff like that and it's just you know and I talk about the supplements I take and things like that but like I just really want to grow a community community based on like authenticity and um and acceptance and love and um and I'm working really you know I'm working really hard to do that and so I appreciate your love and support and I just um, and I appreciate you coming on my podcast and sharing your story. I think that when we um, talk about our experience, then we're breaking down stigmas mm-hmm. and that's that's helping people. Yeah, absolutely. And and back to like sponsorships and stuff like that. Like, I think when you stay true to like your mission and you mm-hmm. do say no and and you just continue with that authenticity like the right things are going to come and yeah. it's going to be so much more meaningful yeah. and and you have a community that trusts you yeah and i'm manifesting the the right companies into my life right now yes. like that's really what i'm focus, focusing on is aligning myself you know like certain vitamin brands that i know are owned by like nestle mm-hmm. like i'm not going to you know, yeah. support your, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It, and it's hard because a lot of the things that I do and use are smaller companies. And so they don't really have the budget, but, um, to, to, you know, but whatever. So we're figuring it out up until January. My Instagram feed was like just pictures of my kids and shit. Like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to become a brand and I'm going <laughs> to start a podcast and I'm going to build an empire. And then but you've been doing it and I've it's been only t- been like five months, which is crazy. <laughs> which is crazy. Which is absolutely crazy, but I kind of went zero to 16. Now I'm like, wait, I've got to figure out all these pieces and like actually turn this thing profitable and like make money and like actually pay, pay my producer. <laughs> but, but it's like, um, like Lauren Skinny Confidential says, right? Launch fast yes, and adjust. Exactly. So I'm really, I'm, I'm in the adjustment phase right now. And, mm-hmm. um, thankfully things are, things are adjusting. <laughs> Well, let's get to some listener questions here. A lot of people asked if the producers knew that you were using drugs, which we kind of covered. Yeah, I mean, I think it became apparent like halfway through. But like, what are you going to do? Like, I was such were they, like, an enablers asshole. Enablers or no? They just turned a blind no, eye. I just turned a blind eye. Yeah, yeah. Did using help your anxiety at the time or worsen it? Oh yeah, I mean like. That's why I use downers. It's like I just really wanted to um, shut it all down as fast as possible. And and for anyone who's ever shot up heroin, you know it's it's um, you know you just nod out into oblivion. You know, so worked really well for me. <laughs> what was the detox process like from heroin? <sighs> In jail, uh, just to make, just to add insult to okay. injury. So, you know, 
I'm really grateful that I never want, never had the option to go on Suboxone because I've watched a lot of really gnarly Suboxone detoxes. I can't really compare. Um, I would probably say like cutting, doing cold turkey and not tapering is probably worse, but like Suboxone kind of lingers. Although I did not feel normal for like three months. So the first time, I'll just tell you this story and this is disgusting, but you know, we're disgusting when we're heroin addicts. But yeah. um, when you use heroin, like, you don't go to the bathroom a lot. Like, it really shuts down your entire digestive mm-hmm. system. Um, you also don't have regular cycles. And it just it kind of shuts down, like, a lot of stuff going on. Normal, natural processes in your body right. just aren't working anymore. So I was in jail. And I've got, you know, the cold sweats and um, freezing cold and just then running a fever and um, shaking and uh, like what I would say are probably like little mini seizures like where I just am convulsing and like but like still cognizant of what's mm-hmm. going on around me you just kind of lost control yeah of just your... like lost control of my body for a little bit but um so I remember one one night um I woke up out of a sleep in, so when you're in jail I should preface this by saying like you get a roll up when you walk in which is uh your outfit you get one yeah, a week. I got one. I, yeah I okay so that. you get like one outfit a couple pairs of underwear a couple pairs of socks um a sheet you know what i mean and that's a mattress then that's you're that like then? one inch mattress mm-hmm. right so um i woke up out of my sleep and i was vomiting and having diarrhea at the same time in my outfit in my bed so that was probably like the worst thing that's ever happened because I was also in protective custody so like I didn't have access like I couldn't just like yell for help (laughs) like I, I remember like buzzing the central like police kind of hub like where all the officers sat like over and over and over and over and over and over like help help me like as I'm like vomiting everywhere like just so sick like and I had to have a trustee come in oh because they don't let you clean your stuff like if you don't have the privilege of like the mop and stuff like you can't use it so someone had to come in I'm just like standing there like so ill I had a kidney infection like uh, it was so from being so dehydrated because they don't give you like water bottles right you just get the like the one milk and the two little juices a day and it was so this is the worst or let you change so here's the thing so I like wipe myself down with the sheet they didn't let me take a shower. I had to wait until, because you only get one hour out every 24 hours. Everybody who thinks I'm cute, like, I'm not cute. <laughs> this is, like, the most disgusting thing. Everyone's <laughs> going, oh, I can't even, like, picture this. So I had to wait until my one hour out to go shower. But here's the thing, like, the shower water pressure is so intense in jail. And I didn't have, like, my shower shoes because I didn't have commissary come yet. So I had, like, no supplies. And... When you're detoxing off opiates, like every single bit of your body hurts, like your eyeball sockets hurt. And so the water pressure was so high and the the room was so freezing. So I finally got my one hour out and I was like just in underwear, like walking around just in underwear because I didn't want to dirty the new outfit that they gave me. And so I like walked downstairs in front of all the other girls, like covering my tits. Not that they cared because the <laughs> they... people in protective custody are like criminally insane or mm-hmm. um, murderers. So it's not like they really give a shit. So I'm like walking down there like 
down the steps. And I remember being in so much pain. And I finally get into the shower. I turn it on. The water pressure is so strong. And it's just like spraying off my body. I'm like, oh, this is like the worst <laughs> thing ever. And they have no sympathy, right, no, for addicts? No, sympathy. No. And so then I like got my little like towel that's the size of like a hand towel and like dried myself off, freezing cold and went and just, I remember rolling up in a ball with wet hair on the mat and going like, just kill me now. Like, I'm just ready to go. Like, this is, it was by far the most. How long did it last for? Oh, just, (laughs) (laughs) it just was never ending. It's never ending. I mean, like, that was like the worst episode of like, you know, of, um, of expelling. I I don't know what's the right word. Like, just. Cleaning yeah. out, um, detoxing. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. They have a word for it. <laughs> um, like it was just that was the worst experience ever. I ended up getting treated for um, going down to the infirmary for IV fluids and being treated on an all liquid diet for like two weeks. Um, but it just brutal, just Crazy. brutal. So, and then you used again, right? And then I went out. Yeah, I mean that night, that first night that I got out, I got blackout drunk. Um, I was super paranoid, uh, you know, and I couldn't sleep and I was having all these like issues from being locked up and, um, yeah, it was like two weeks later I was like back to shooting up. So, yeah, I mean, that's addiction. The second detox was just as bad. Mm-hmm. I did it again in there. I mean, that story is the worst. Like I was prepared the second time. So I'd never detoxed, right? Cause I just used straight. I'd never been without, a substance um so i'd never i'd never i didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. um so the second time around i knew what to expect and i slept naked <laughs> in jail <laughs> like yeah, i was by pro. myself i was by myself in my cell 23 out of 24 hours a day so like <sighs> i knew what to expect and i just i didn't shower i knew the water pressure I knew like the commissary situation. Like I, the second time I was like fully prepared, like I could train someone to like how to go in jail, like how to go to jail and survive now. You know, like I think I've pretty much got the whole like like, situation down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. That's going to be my new side hustle. It's like jail, (laughs) jail 101. (laughs) Okay. So let's end with, with how do you deal with, trolls and people who Mm. judge you well um this uh, you know Brene Brown has kind of blown up over the last year um and happy 23 years of sobriety to her today um she has changed my life um I I read her book I thought it was just me um and it really it focuses a lot on shame and i realized that i was still carrying a lot of shame despite um despite all of the work that i had done and i wanted i i was doing things like i didn't i didn't want my daughter's friends parents knowing that i was a heroin addict and i mm. Mike, I live in a very Stepford community um you've been to my house you mm. like drop in and it's like this little utopia um and there's I was keeping a lot of secrets thinking that I was protecting myself but at the cost of my well-being and um just really living not an inauthentic life but just not really 
feeling like I could be who I really was because of the amount of shame that I had in my life about the choices that I've made and, you know, yada, yada. And I just felt like people wouldn't really give me a chance if they knew that I was like an ex-heroin addict, twice convicted felon, which I'm not anymore, um, which is yeah, great. I got cleared, my right? whole record cleared away. I just read that the other um, day and I was like, I need just to. Just remarkable. <laughs> I'll give you my attorney's phone number. Um, Mine is in Florida, so I got to okay, get over well, there. Kennedy, you want to take a trip? <laughs> great influencer trip. <laughs> Amazing yes, influencer right? trip. We were so, talking about going to Miami, so. Yeah, yeah right? Pit stop. Um, yeah, I just, I I carried a lot of shame and um, I think what I what I I've just taken away so much from her work and from her writings. And she is just such a huge, um, has had such a huge impact on my, um, sobriety and well-being. What was the question again? I totally how do you wanna... deal with. Oh, okay. So how do you deal with trolls? You. Okay. So once I like really fully like acknowledged, once I dropped the shame, like there's nothing that, um, that anybody could say or do that like makes me feel ashamed anymore. Like I used to feel so people would say things, even like on this most recent episode when someone messaged me, and was like, you're a baby killer. Like I can like laugh at, um, you know, at, at the, uh, the message or not laugh at it feel not it would those things used to like take over my whole day like I would have this adrenaline rush and feel the need to respond and all this stuff and what I realized is that like if I don't engage with these people and I and I instead just send them like love and light um then I move on. My my only thing that I don't tolerate is um, my children you know especially my second daughter who like I said, was a high risk pregnancy and, um, God, she's just a miracle. Just like, I just don't tolerate people shit talk. If you're going to shit talk my kids, like you're going to get blocked. Like then it's just, that's like that, a whole that's, different that's, level. It's another level, but troll. you want to say whatever you want about me, uh, does not really, it or doesn't at all bother me anymore. And I really attribute that to her work. And one of the things she talks about is, um, you know, if you're in the arena, putting yourself out there, really being authentic, trying to initiate change, um, going the distance um, and doing this work, the work that it takes to be authentically who you are. Um, and, you know, then then whoever's opinion who's not in the arena, who's not doing those same things, like their opinion doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So like your opinion, because you're doing this work, like if you were to say something to me, like criticism and anything like I would be like okay like you know I listen to it mm -hmm. but anybody else is like I just don't take the shit like I'm just not really willing to um not willing to allow that to penetrate my field mm -hmm. my life <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean and so it just I just literally it's like water on a duck's back like I just let it roll off I just um you know, I, I, I just move on. It's like I had Rebecca Zung, who's a divorce attorney, but she's also like a master negotiator and like badass businesswoman. She was on the podcast a few weeks ago and she was talking about that Brene Brown mm -hmm. quote. And she was like, if you're if you're up in the cheap seats, mm -hmm. like and I'm down down here on the field and you're not down here getting dirty with me, yeah. like 
doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Do, I really don't. Um, I really don't care. And, um, you know, the people doing this work, um, anybody who's doing this work, you know what I mean? Um, her book, Braving the Wilderness, anybody who's out there really braving the wilderness, meaning like on the journey to finding themselves and, and being a better human, um, I applaud you because this work is just not e at all easy, but it is so worth it. And you will find that over time, those those other things, they don't matter. They don't matter. And I really, I just, I only, I only have so much space in my life and I just, I only l allow the people who I really care about to penetrate that space and to take up that space in my life and, and uh, their thoughts and opinions and things like that. Other people just don't really care. Mm, that's such good advice. Well, how can everybody find you? Well, um, <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at it's Alexis Haynes. Um, you can find my my uh, podcast, which is on Instagram too, at Recovering from Reality. And you can go to recoveringfromreality.com to listen to the podcast. It's available on SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and all of that. And then you can go to alexishaines.com to um, find out, you know, more about me. Although this was a lot about me. <laughs> I don't know if you want to find out more after today. <laughs> I think people but, will be uh, genuinely curious. intrigued. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, but yeah, follow along. And, you know, if you're into like motherhood or recovery or self-development or spiritual development, then I'm your girl. Yeah, you guys, she puts out so much <laughs> valuable content and you are so relatable and authentic and it's so refreshing and I it's try. so cool to watch your journey and mm. I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you. Really. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for driving having out me. here. One oh, arm. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that talk. I love talking to her, hanging out with her. She's just unapologetically herself and open and candid and opinionated. And we need more people like her, I think. So I really appreciate you tuning in. Um, I see your reviews regarding sound quality, which I'm now recording in a studio and working on my sound quality um, for the episodes that I record remotely. So I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Um, you know, this is a journey and I'm learning as I go. And also, I get a lot of feedback that I am monotone. So um, I don't know if I can change that because this is how I talk. <laughs> but I will try to add more inflection into my speaking. Anyway, I do appreciate you guys reviewing and rating. I really appreciate you sharing it on social media and just sharing it amongst your friends and however you do that. Um, it really means a lot to me and it enables me to keep doing this. And it's really something that I want to keep doing. I love having these conversations. And so you guys doing your part really means a lot. Anyway, I will be back next week. Talk to you then.